My name is Jordan Beal. Hope you guys are doing good. Um, everybody shout out, shout out your name on the count of three. One, two, three. Janelle. Uh, I got Janelle. Who is the Janelle? Yeah, well, you're up, you're up front, so that makes sense. Nice to meet you guys. Um, yeah, just a quick kind of commercial for uh, the process of a leader is something I started writing about uh, seven years ago, finally completed it um, a year ago, and I kept seeing uh, young people that were called to ministry, and I could spot them out, you know, in the crowd. We used to travel, and I could always spot them, and I'd always want to go tell them about David, tell them about Daniel. I want to say, don't give up. I want to tell them about Gideon. I want to say, start when they're afraid to start. So everything that I would want to say to those young people, I put into this book, and so when you're done with it, I want to encourage you to give it to that young person that's at your church that you really believe in. I know you believe in all of them, but you get what I'm saying. Where like, there's a kid in your youth group or in your church that you just see like the touch of God on their life, a calling to ministry of some sort. So you guys know what I'm talking about? Okay, so um, give them the book, give them a copy of the book, and uh, I hope it'll be a blessing uh, to them. Uh, what it is is an acronym that this is the stuff that you're going to experience in your leadership journey. And so the challenge is a call to sonship. All right, so it's a call to sonship. We're going to talk about some of those things in the session. Um, it's definitely not, it's only like maybe 5% of the talk today. Um, we're going to just reference it. But you're in the class, the theology of worship. Um, again, welcome to Synergy. So quick, quick introduction. This is my family. My beautiful wife is actually in the room. Where'd you go, babe? Back there. Everybody say hi, Danielle. We, I actually don't know life before Danielle. I fell in love with her when I was 12. She hit me with a dodgeball in the face, and I was like, this girl's tough and hot. And so uh, we have four daughters and an adopted son, Lukey. And we just adopted him uh, in June, and he is a lot of fun and keeps us up and exhausted because uh, he's a runner. Thank you, Jesus. Anybody else have a leash for your kids? Just me. Awesome. Forget I said that. Delete that from the recording. All right. Um, Lord knows worship leading is hard, so I thought I'd open with a little bit of humor. Some of your musicians are like this, and then others are like him. And so... How many guys, I mean, can we laugh today? How many of you guys have worship leaders that show up like they don't even know what day of the week it is? You know, do we have three services? Uh, it's one, is it Easter or Christmas? But, uh, yeah, and, and then you have other worship leaders or other musicians that are on it, right? They check planning center. They, they actually click the Spotify links. And then others are that guy with the undies on his head. Um, I thought this was pretty awesome too. This is stuff I've been collecting and curating just for you. Just for you people. Check this guy out. This is your drummer. Everybody knows this guy. <laughs> Who wants to see that again? <laughs> Alright. How many of you guys know worship leading can be hard? Okay, because we all have like that guy, right? And he's not paying attention. Um, <laughs> I'm just laughing because for some reason a funny story just popped in my head, but I'll tell it to you later. All right, so um, 
yeah, again, I mentioned the book. This book is all about just developing the heart of Jesus and wanting to see God raise up uh, sons and daughters into the kingdom. All right? So, you can also, by the way, there's an online course for these. And if you, like, really love some of what you hear today and you think, you know what, I really want to lead my team morally. Like, how many of you guys realize you're already leading them musically, right? And so I think what would be really cool... Uh, part of this creating this resource is if you wanted to also kind of lead them morally this would give you a resource to do that and so I'll give them to you at cost today if you want to do that alright so what we're going to talk about is the theology of worship why what we sing matters alright so Nelson Mandela famously said I don't need to make laws um, just give me the songs of a nation right just give me songs and uh, people will always live out and start believing uh, what they sing. So what you sing matters. Um, we're going to talk about some of these things, not too intensely. The last about five to seven minutes we're going to talk about what makes up a good song and a good song or worship service. But this is some of the stuff I want to talk about today. Because if you don't think about these things, you might accidentally just put your set list together and realize, and maybe you don't realize that maybe the whole set is inviting the Holy Spirit, right? So maybe the whole set is Maverick City. But the problem is your, your, co, your, your co-worker or your spouse's co-worker that she's been inviting to church doesn't understand what the Holy Spirit is. And so it's really important to have some gospel theology in there every single set. So this is stuff I went over with Will, our worship leader. When I transitioned out of that role, I was a worship leader for 14 years, transitioned out of that role five years ago. This is stuff I talked through with him. Is every, every set should have at least one song that tells the gospel. Because think about it, we're there on a Sunday, and this is the time when people have often invited their friend that they're praying for, right? And it's, guess what? It's possible your pastor might be doing a marriage series. Right now, like a, sure, a great habit is to include the gospel in every single sermon. But let's just be real. Like some sermons are that's all marriage, or maybe it's a sermon on giving. How cool would it be is if they came to your service where you're leading worship? Somewhere in that 20 to 40 minutes, however you however you guys are structured, somewhere in the worship set, they've heard Jesus came from heaven and died for your sins rose from the dead, right? So you could be reunited with Father God. Somebody say, man, I'm about to take up an offering up in here. Come on right now. Like, like they should hear the gospel, right? They should hear the gospel. And so really think through that. We're going to talk about this more. But also that sense of Holy Spirit sense that we are tabernacling with God. Emmanuel, God is with us. The songs should be really singable. Right? So if it's like these Mariah Carey R&B runs, I love some R&B. That's great. I love that, right? Uh, but it's not really, Sunday isn't really the time for that. So really singable songs that are catchy. And then again, a message of surrender. I know this is really close to this, but they're a little bit different. This is, I have gratitude for what you've done for me. I have gratitude. The entire expression, I think, of a Sunday morning should be not, I'm amazing, should be Jesus is amazing, right? Okay? All right. Let's keep going. So what we're going to talk about for maybe the next like 15 to 20 minutes is this idea of identity. What do I mean by identity? I, identity first as a child of God, and that's what I've talked about in the book, but as a, as a worship leader, 
right? You are in a sense a Levite. You are in a sense a Levite. And so let's just put aside Moses' tabernacle for a minute. We're going to talk about that in a minute. But David, even David, even though he just had a tent and even though it's like you read these Psalms... You know, in, in your presence, you hide me in the shadow of your wing, and you could just picture he's got this tent on Mount Horeb, and the sun's coming up, and there's the shadow of the cherubim angels of the ark, and he's resting in God's presence. Yes, it was mobile. Yes, it was just raw. Yes, probably his shoes were off his feet. But he did organize thousands of Levite musicians. Thousands of musicians. In fact, it's even. Um, given to him credit that there was a lot of instruments, a lot of theologians believe, that uh, he made along with some other people. So you are leading a group of musicians to tabernacle with God. And you're inviting everybody in the community experience the goodness of God with us. Amen? Experience. We are tabernacling with God. So just like the old tabernacle, just like the old covenant, you got this, right, pillar You've got this fire by night. They are God's people. Surrounding nations could look at Israel and say, okay, something's a little weird there. There's a bonfire stuck in the air. <laughs> they have something special. They're tabernacling with a holy God. So outsiders should be able to come in and say, whoa, something special. Am I in the way of the screen? That would have been really awkward. <laughs> Make it. Um, they're like they're in the. They are tabernacling with God. So know that that you're inviting God to be with you. But here's the crazy thing about a priest. You say, well, Jordan, I'm not. I, I'm not really called to be a priest. Like I'm not a pastor. Oh, friend, no. <laughs> Revelation says, right? Revelation says that he is making a kingdom of priests. Everybody say that with me. A kingdom of? Priests. What's a priest do? They reconcile people to God. So that means that on a Sunday, you guys can just be singing, Lord, I need you. Oh, I need you. And suddenly people feel that they too need God. Right? I mean, there's going to be times, and we've had at Rock of Grace actually many times, where we offer a salvation call. There's been people saved in worship. Come on, that's so awesome. Even before a sermon is preached. Why? The Holy Spirit is invited. And what's the Holy Spirit do? The Holy Spirit always points people to Jesus. That's His role. Jesus always points people to the Father. And the Father always points people to Jesus. The Holy Spirit, you welcome the Holy Spirit. That's why it's really important that you welcome, nurture your own relationship with the Holy Spirit. We're going to talk about that more. But the Holy Spirit is always self-defacing. Pointing people to Jesus. That's why when someone's talking about Jesus all the time and they're infatuated with Jesus, there's one reason for that. The Holy Spirit has been doing a work in their heart. So they point people to Jesus. Our role is to point people to Jesus. And then what's Jesus do? I don't do anything except the Father tell me. Amen? And the Father is always saying, Hey, do you want to know what I look like? Look at my son. And your job as a worship leader is to get people focused on Jesus. He's the Son of God, the Son of Man, the most beautiful, fascinating one there is. Amen? Yes. Alright. So, Exodus 19.5 says, Therefore, if you faithfully obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my special possession of all the nations. For all the earth is mine, and you will be unto me a kingdom of... Everybody say it. 
priests, a holy nation. These are the words which you will speak to the children of Israel. Alright? So there's this fascinating idea that, and, and really this is, this is like an, uh, an overarching principle in the Word of God, so this is not just Levites, but there is this like really interesting dynamic that when God calls you to be the worship leader, alright, it, it it's beautiful, it's special, it's humbling. Like, you need to know that if, if your pastor tapped you on the shoulder and said, I believe in you, and I believe you have this calling... That's a humbling, beautiful thing. I want you to take it seriously. You know? I really, I want you to take it seriously today. I don't, no, let's no more winging it. If you're winging it, and you're putting stuff together at 7, 8 o'clock on a Sunday, no more doing that. Let's pray, God, what do you want me to sing this week? What would glorify Jesus? Because Jesus gave the ultimate price for me, and I have the opportunity to lead the congregation of God's people, set-apart people, in praise to Him. So we're going to we're gonna take it like real seriously. Amen? Amen. Alright, so what happens when we declare these praises of God? Our, help, our worship helps set other people free. It really does. I can't tell you the number of times there have been people who have told me, oh man, we were just in worship and God spoke this to my heart. Numerous times. And this is after a sermon. This is after... Right? Oh man, we were in worship and, and it's like, man, when Will was singing that bridge, God spoke to me about this. And I'm like, high five and I'm like, that is awesome. What's happening? In the middle of worship, they're being reconciled with God. Because if you invite the Holy Spirit and you let Him work, right? And we'll talk about what it means to like, let Him give you a song of the Lord. A song of the moment, the spontaneous song that the Holy Spirit wants Jesus to sing, even if it's not in your planning center. Plans are good, but always surrender them to the Spirit because the Spirit can give you a song of the Lord and it can have eight notes, but those eight notes can reconcile people to God. You say, what? What do you mean? Those eight notes, let me say it again, those eight words, there's just that little line and the Holy Spirit rests. In that moment. And I'm telling you, in that moment, in those two minutes, people can be engaged with God way more than, than you could ever preach to them. Okay? Like, let God do His thing, but there's this inviting to let Him do His thing. And that's part of your role as a priest. Okay? Alright, so the biblically aligned worship leader has a vision for their ministry that focuses on people adoring Jesus. Right? Adoring Jesus. So I didn't so much say the worship leader has a vision that people sing. Notice the difference. Adoring Jesus. Because really your role is to get them to the point where they're so infatuated with Jesus they don't even know you're there. They don't even know you're there. And I know what some of you are thinking. You're like, but I'm an artist. <laughs> well, I'm glad you're an artist. But you're not an artist on Sundays. I, I love artists. I'm an artist. I, like, well, I work with artists. I have this music label, Innovate Records. I still work with artists on Fridays. I love artists. All of you artists are awesome. High five the other artists. Say, you're awesome. Right? But on Sunday, it's not about you. Right? <laughs> Who's it about? Jesus. Right. So, 
It has to be all about Jesus. All about Jesus. All the time. All the time. And so again, I'm a fan of artists. I love working with creatives. But your role uh, is not that they like your song. It's that they love Jesus. Right? There's a difference. So it's cool if they like your song. Great. But I want them going home and going out to eat saying, Jesus was so fascinating to me today. Amen? Alright, so three ways to ensure Jesus is adored and not you. Empower others. Empower others. Right? Now, by the way, if I did make, I see you guys, some, some taking pictures. I did make a download on the Sketch app. If you open Sketch, there's two PDFs. One is an outline for the book to go through with your worship team. And then the other PDF is, is this PDF. Okay? To make it easy. So empower others. What, why, why, would, why would empowering others um, help people adore Jesus? So this is a guiding principle I have for all of Rock of Grace. Because here's the thing. If I have to be leading every song as a worship leader, it's no different than as a pastor in my role now. If I have to be in every meeting, I'm the hero. But I'm not the hero. Jesus is the hero. Right? So Jesus can be very powerful through multiple members on your team. Right? Let me say it again. So Jesus can be very powerful through multiple members on your team. This weekend, my daughter and two others were leading worship at this women's event at another church, and they're able to go do that in confidence because they've been nurtured at Rock of Grace, given chances. Hey, can you lead this song? I'm scared. You can do it. Fly or die, baby. I've been telling people that. I'm kicking you out of the nest. You fly or die. You might as well spread your wings. I don't want you to hit the ground. You're going to fly. They're scared and they're holding the mic, right? Or they do this number. Uh, have you guys ever seen that? Oh, great. We can't hear you. Right? So give them opportunities. Give them opportunities. Again, why does, how does that keep it about Jesus? Because now it's not about you if it's, if it's you're not leading the song every week. Right? Alright, now I get it. You're still the worship leader. So uh, Will does this really well. So much so that he actually asked me a couple months ago. He's like, hey, we have such an empowering others mentality. You know, you're always telling me that. What's kind of the guide? I don't want to do it too much and not be the worship leader. And I said, that's such a great question. So we landed on 65%. We said, I said, anywhere between 65% still want you doing that. There's still that anointing, that call in your life. But man, 35% of it, give away. So if you have a set of five songs, you're given two songs, that's great. Okay, that's just us. That's just, that's not Bible. That's just me talking for a minute. Okay? Alright, number two, or B rather, be filled daily, daily with the Spirit through personal worship. Right? Your private worship your private worship always become, always comes before your public ministry. Your private worship always comes before your public ministry. This is where Saul and David were different. right? So Saul was really concerned about his ex- external ministry. I want everybody to know the big sacrifice that I have made. right? And Samuel's like, oh, you got the wrong, wrong idea. Right? But David's worshiping so much privately. And so private, personal worship. And by the way, that comes through in your public uh, ministry. 
And then C, carefully select songs that glorify Jesus. Right? Now this can be a hang-up, and I know there's like almost funny arguments about it on these like worship leader, you know, pages. And I'm not one though that over, I, I don't think you should overanalyze it because there's a lot of kind of a trend right now about like, oh, we shouldn't be singing songs about me. It's too much about me. Well, when you're saying what God did for me, can I just nerd out for just one second? Because I've been wanting to say this like a thousand times and I finally get the chance to say it to a bunch of worship leaders. If you're saying, here's what you did for me, Thank you, you bless me, or you forgave me. I'm pointing all attention to the one who did the blessing and the forgiving and the giving. So that's good. That's great. You're putting yourself in a position of being the recipient of the one in need. That's healthy. That's what we talked about earlier, right? Gratitude. So that's good. You can have the word me in your songs eight times as long as it's all like, this is what you did for me. Now, it can get unhealthy, right? If you have four songs in a row, like, you make me amazing or whatever. You make me <laughs> whatever. You make me, you know, you guys get what I'm saying. Just be careful is all I'm saying. Like, like, like monitor that and make sure that every song has one message. It's the glorification of the one who did something you couldn't do. He saved you. He forgave you. He fought the battle. He won. Amen? Amen? Okay, so let's keep talking about these kind of things. When I talk about carefully selecting songs, again, Jesus is the Savior, the spirit sense of tabernacle, that He is here, that He is welcome. This is a great kind of just like, if you just started leading worship, in fact, let me just ask, because I should have done this at the beginning. How many of you are, you're in charge of putting the set together? You're the worship leader? It's about two-thirds, a little, a little over half. How many of you guys are on the team? Right, the other half. Okay, so if you're, if you're the worship leader, so about half to two-thirds of you, I just want to talk to you for a minute. This is some of the things you should be thinking through. Now, again, I'm a, I'm a Darlene Check fan, but Lord knows we don't need eight verses, right? <laughs> like, I know she wrote eight. Just do three. Or otherwise your people are like, and, and, and they can't, you know, can't engage if they have to keep reading and keep learning. Now there are exceptions to this, right? I told myself I wasn't going to do this song because it had like, I think 10,000 words, right? That song, um, oh, what was it? Uh, so Will I. Yeah. Oh. I was like, right? I remember hearing this song. I'm like, this song's anointed, but there's no way. It's like a book. Let's <laughs> sing a book. It was hard to fit on that page. Right. And, but I know it's like, oh, like, turn to page seven of the page, you know. But, but, but anomaly, right? This is the unicorn. This is the anomaly is everybody was all in. And they were all singing it. In my mind, I was going, this should not be working. This should not be working. <laughs> but everybody was like, you know, so will I. They're all like singing. So they heard it on the radio a hundred times though, right? So there's other factors that play into that. They've all been hearing it. But for the most part, for the most part, should be like really singable, you know, catchy, uh, and uh, not too many words, okay? And then again, a message of what Jesus did and our gratitude. I love, I love a good declaration song. That's, that's so cool, right? Like, I'm in the fire, but you're with me and I'm going to praise you. Or kind of a Paul and Silas mentality, right? Like we're, 
we're in prison, we're going through this, but you're still worthy. Like, that's really powerful. And then I just like to rhyme, so I'm just going to be real cheesy with y'all and say, engage is all ages. <laughs> all right? Turn to your friend, turn to your neighbor right now and say, engage is all ages. Because here's the thing. If you do Maverick City, I'm going to preach to you. Right? Everybody just pull your toes in. If, I'm, if you just do Maverick City, right, for like a month in a row, everybody north of 50... <laughs> 40. <laughs> 40. You know what I mean? They're like, oh, I, miss our, I miss our old church or whatever. They start thinking that. I'm telling you. They're like, they can't engage. So throw in a hymn, right? Like throw in a song that they connected with God with 10, 20 years ago. So a hymn or uh, even a Paul Wilbur or a Matt Redman. I know. Some of you guys are like, Matt who? Right? I know. But... Why, how old are you? Are you guys like 20, 19? Yeah. 20? I should work at a circus. That was pretty good. So, like, you know, <laughs> should not work at a circus. Um, what was I saying? I just lost my train of thought. Completely. Oh, yeah, like do, do other, like learn other songs that came out 20 years ago. Why? To engage all ages, you know? All right? You guys doing Okay. Because I'm trying to make this really practical. I, I, I had more notes about Levitical priesthood, but then I didn't want you guys to be like, I had chicken, like I'm really tired. So I want to make it like easy to take home and apply. All right. I want to talk about this for a minute. All right. I'm bringing this up because I traveled for 14 years leading worship and occasionally would speak, but usually just leading worship. And I can't tell you the number of times my heart would just break and... I'd be a little confused as the worship leader, the guy who booked me, who seemed really nice, would come up and just say negative things about his pastor. Can I just tell you don't do that? So I don't, I don't put this up to say that happened once. Like that happened to me probably three or four times per summer. It was a lot. Like a lot. So what I'm going to tell you right now is, and you might say, well, this is like, this is practical advice. No, this is moral Advice. This has to do with your heart. Okay? Right. So, your job, your first job, is to help people encounter Jesus and sing to Him, to adore Him. Your second job, that is equally as important, is to support your pastor. I know, some of you are like, no, wait a minute, my job is, no, no, Jordan, I'm the artist. No, you're not. You are not the artist. <laughs> Turn to your neighbor, say, you are not the artist. <laughs> You are the servant of the Lord. Right? Right. So there are going to be times when your pastor asks you something. But I know creatives, I've been working with creatives for 20 years. We're very emotional. <laughs> right? We're very emotional. And we suddenly believe these lies that we are our art. But you are not your art. You create art. And I know it feels like a piece of you. I get it. I'm a songwriter too. I get it. It feels like a piece of you. So if the pastor says, oh, don't do that song again. I didn't really like it. And this has happened to me. And I'm like, inside I'm going, I wrote that song at two in the morning in the depths of my soul. Right? <laughs> and it made it hurt even worse. This was my dad. I'm like, <laughs> Father, thou hast betrayed me. No, like, and then I had to put on my big boy pants and realize, that's okay. He doesn't like the song. There's 99 other songs that he likes. 
So I don't go up to the guests and be like, yeah, my pastor, you know, is a real jerk. No. He has a reason for why he didn't really like that song. So we have to kind of take some of the emotions out. Right? Maybe he says, hey, you know what? I know we usually do 30 minutes. Today, I really need you to just do 20. You have two options right now. Turn your neighbors. He's about to preach to you right now. He's about to preach. I know. I can feel the conviction in the room. Because some of y'all have done this. You've accidentally cut the red wire. Right? Red wire is, oh, my gosh. I'm the, I, am, I am the artist. This is my, this is my 30 minutes. Is it though? Right? It's not really your... No, it's God's. Like this is your... You're stewarding something. But it's God's and, and, and God made that pastor... He made your pastor your pastor. So he has a reason for why he only needs it 20 minutes that day. So at minute 19, you're backing away from the mic. No problem. No drama. Like, literally, no problem, no drama. Why? He's the pastor. It's so simple. But a lot of worship leaders, I know, some of you guys are thinking, Jordan, you are going on too long about this. It's because this is an issue I hear about a lot. I would not go as long, I wouldn't go 10 minutes on this if it wasn't an issue, but it is an issue. I'll just be hanging out with an artist that is a good guy, and we're just having a meal, and suddenly he is just railing on his pastor. Can't believe his pastor would only give him those 18 minutes. He's, he must not even be spirit-filled. The spirit, you know, Ichabod, right? Like, <laughs> like, they don't say Ichabod, but you get what I'm saying. Like, they're going on and on and on, and I'm just thinking, bro, like, are there worship nights? Like, I'll ask, I'll say it politely, but I'm like, is there like a worship night that y'all do? Oh, yeah. Do you, so you have like two hours? Oh yeah. I'm like, dude, throw the guy a bone. He, you know, he has things he has to get through in a service because he cares about the kids. He cares about the elderly. He cares about that special event that they got to discuss. Like he's factoring in a lot of things that you're not factoring in. So we have to kind of like slow our roll with how emotionally we are tied to something that we think's ours. It's not yours, right? It's God's. It's God's house. And you and I, as a worship leader, happen to steward that moment for that little season. You guys still with me, or do you all hate me now? Okay, you guys okay? Alright, so we're going to talk about this for a minute, and then we're going to come back to this. What do I mean by that? Well, if you're tied to your ministry, and you're tied to your art, you say, yeah, but that's me. Well, no. Your identity is who you are as a child of God. And I have great news for you. You are fully known and fully loved. There's no part of you that is unknown by God. There's no part of you that makes God go, oh, I didn't know. You are fully known and fully loved by God. Think about Jesus' baptism. How beautiful is it that the Father says, this is my Son. Number one. I know who I am. Now this gave him the strength to go into ministry. In whom I'm well pleased. I'm proud of you. I got crazy news for you. I was reading Luke about a couple, two years ago, preparing for this, and it hit me like a ton of bricks. God was proud of Jesus before he ever did a miracle. He loved him so much. Do you know God loves you so much, Josh? Do you know God thinks you're so amazing? He thinks you're incredible. 
before you ever perform something for him. He already loves you. My adopted son, Lucas, right? He hasn't won any awards yet, right? If, it, if there was an award, it'd be like breaking and entering. Like, how fast can you, you know, like, climb over a gate? Like, that's how fast, like, because he can do that. Like, give that kid a ribbon. But, there's no things he's competed in and achieved, and I love him more than I could possibly express to you guys. You know why? He's my son. That's it. Just because he's mine. Why am I talking to you guys? Because this is creatives. And us creatives have something that, let's be honest, we're all a little bit insecure. How many guys have ever looked in the mirror and thought, I'm a little insecure? Please be honest and tell me. <laughs> it's not just me, right? <laughs> we care so much because we love to create and it's good to create and there's nothing wrong with enjoying what you created. God made something and said it is good. Nothing wrong with enjoying what you created. But you can't think that what you created determines your identity. God, your Father, determined your identity. Come on, your value comes only from the one who made you, not what you make. God made your identity. He already loves you. He's already proud of you. God looked at Jesus and said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. No miracles yet. No feeding the 5,000. No addressing the Pharisees. Right? None of that yet. But what happens is we think our identity is wrapped up in our ministry or our season. But where you're ministering right now, guys, that's just a season. So that could come and go. Mel, what church are you at right now? Faith Church in Sandusky. Faith Church in Sandusky happens to be where Mel, the child of God, is serving. But if Faith Church Sandusky were to close down in March... Mel doesn't lose his mind. He has no problem. Do you know why? He's a child of God. In April, something catastrophe could happen and the church goes down to 100 people. And Mel doesn't freak out going, I lost my worship ministry. He wakes up going, thank you, Abba Father. You're still so good to me. Amen? Amen. Because... You've got to live your life out of identity, out of sonship. Out of sonship comes your calling. This is everybody. Everybody's called to give the gospel. We confuse calling. Everybody's called to give people the gospel. And then we have certain ministries. I don't know what that was. That was maybe aliens, but we will ignore it. Right? Um, everybody has certain ministries. And they're all very unique. And the further you get outside of this circle, the more unique it is. Right? The further. But the more you come together, the more easy all the earlier things are. Let me explain what I mean by that. You say, well, Jordan, I don't know. I've never really empowered others. I don't know whether if I can do that. If you realize your job is not to be an artist, but to make more sons and daughters, see the difference? Now you have an excitement about somebody who's 17 or 27 or whoever, however old they are, 
getting to awaken to their calling because they're a child, they're a daughter, they're a son just like you. And they're awakening to the things that the Father has given them. So you're excited. Now you are actually, and the more you get this revelation, you become more excited about them than you are about you fulfilling the call in your life. Amen? Amen. So seasons, they come and go. Ministry, your unique ministry. Guess what? Some of you guys, 10 years from now, this is going to change. You're going to be in a different role. God's going to tap you and say, and I just like prophesying to you, but anyway. There, there, God's going to tap you, right? And be like, sometimes I accidentally prophesy, by the way, so that might be happening right now. But um, God might tap you and be like, hey, I got things for you next year. You see what I'm saying? So, does that change how fully loved he is? Absolutely not. Right? Who, what his identity is? No, in fact, he can say yes to the Father for any new season. Whether that's wherever it is. Because he's so loved. And, it, and by the way, it doesn't matter if it pays less or more. Oh, did he just say that? Yes, I did. I don't know why we think... In music ministry, we think like we're supposed to go up. This is not Coca-Cola. This is the kingdom. <laughs> so sometimes God calls you somewhere to make less. That's okay. It doesn't matter. It's just the season that God might be calling you to. You guys still okay? Yeah. All right. Tacos. <laughs> Say, Jordan, that does not sound like a deep revelation. <laughs> well, here we go. Here's what I mean. All right, so... Three years ago, I was teaching a class of worship leaders at Synergy. And someone asked at the end, like, ah, oh, you know what? I don't, I, don't, I don't see eye to eye with my pastor. How do I strengthen that? And I said, well, how often do you meet? And they're like, meet? We don't meet at all. And so I want to encourage you guys. Have tacos. <laughs> this is not deep. <laughs> this is not deep. But it's incredibly helpful. Here's what I mean. If you're having tacos, it's like Taco Tuesday, make it up, whatever it is, right? Actually, get wild. Taco Thursday. I know. It doesn't have the same alliteration, but whatever. You have tacos with him every week. Guess what? You're going to start to hear his heart. So then when he tells you to cut song three because you have some foster care initiative thing or something you're pushing that he is sharing, you've already heard his whole why for an hour and a half over tacos. So now you have no problem saying, oh, pastor, I got you, no problem. Instead of like, oh, I don't even get why he doesn't give me my time. <laughs> you see, all of that gets solved with tacos. <laughs> Very easy. High five your friends, say tacos, bro. Or sister, sister, girl. All right, seriously, just have a meal. Have a meal with them. Um, it's not, I know, I just, I don't want to belabor the point, but if I took a poll, right, and I've done this, so I won't do it today, but I, I took a poll out of curiosity a couple times now, and it's like 20% of the room uh, ever hangs out with their pastor ever. So that should be like 80 to 100% of the room. It, I get that. I get that. You know what you and I knew you someone's going to say that. You pound on their door. And you say and you say pastor, I get that you I get that you have meetings. And he does. I've been in the seat for 5 years now. My phone is off all the time. Hey, I need to chat. Hey, I need to talk. Hey, can I run something by you? It it is in, it is nonstop. But if you say 
And I knew some would say that because that's, that's always the pushback. But if you say to him, hey, pastor, and, and by the way, like, I'm not saying be melodramatic, but like lean in and like look into his soul. That was a little awkward. Sorry about that. I'm just going to pretend that never happened. <laughs> Whoa, right? And we have to go like full close talker, you know. But um, like lean in and be like, Pastor, do I have like this big responsibility on my shoulders, right? Okay, so ask a question that he's going to agree with. Yeah, yeah, I'm not saying that sounded manipulative, but you get what I'm saying. Like help him understand what you're saying. If you just say, I need to meet, then you might not be computing. But if you say, hey, I have a big responsibility on my shoulders every Sunday, right? And he's going to go, oh, yeah, he has half the service. You see? So let the, ask the question and let it sit. I have a big responsibility. Yes. Oh, yes, you do. Well, I really want to get to know you better so that you and I are on the same page. And by the way, throw in a verse, Psalm 133. This is part of the thought. I don't think I said it yet, but this is, this is why I'm bringing up tacos. Psalm 133. You know what it says? How, bl- how blessed it is when brothers dwell together in unity. There, the Lord commands His blessing. Some of us wonder why we don't have the blessing and why my drummer's mad and why this person's mad and why my media people are always frazzled. Well, maybe it's because we don't have unity but you can have unity by having tacos. Come on, somebody. I know. You guys are like, that's not deep. I'm sorry. I got shallow for you today. Have tacos and say, Pastor, I need to have a meal with you once a week. I don't care if it's 20 minutes. I want to hear your heart and I want to be on the same page with you. And I promise if you ask him that a couple times, he'll start doing it. And then he'll be so glad he did. I, I mean, I have a friend that this last week again told me no matter how hard he tries, he can't get a meeting with his pastor. His pastor's very busy. I get it. And I do get that they're busy. But if you make sure he understands, hey, I want to do a good job with this thing you're giving me to Stuart. And I want us to be on the same page. And, and I, so far, I don't know if we're in great, perfect unity. And I want to be in lockstep unity with you. I want to carry your heart into everything I do. He's going to be like, oh man, that honors me. He's going to feel honored by that. Right? And he'll, he's, he's going to make time. Amen? Another way to support your pastor, you know what? Just be excellent with your team. Now for some of you that means every week, right? Because your musicians are, are still learning and, and uh, we did twice a month, but maybe you just like you just were really blessed with like Nashville musicians. That's awesome. So maybe you can pull it off with once a month. That's great. But no matter what, make sure it's excellent. You know? Like, much better to be excellent than your pastor to be like, we need to meet. <laughs> well, he was in the key of G. <laughs> she was in B flat. She was in H, you know. She was in Z. <laughs> you guys ever had that happen? The capo goes on the wrong fret? <laughs> He's just like... <laughs> You ever turn around, give someone the Pentecostal stare, they put the camera, <laughs> right? B flat. So prepare your team. I'm just telling you, some of you guys get mad at your acoustic player because you're in B and their, their capo's on three. They don't know it goes on four. That's because that's your fault. <laughs> I know. Some of you are like, oh, Jordan, don't. Listen, that's on you. That's because you canceled the last eight practices. You can't do that. 
You can't do that. Prepare your team with excellence, right? So make sure they're all there. Make sure they're all getting the plan. And you can use Google Sheets. You can use Planning Center, whatever you do. Use a system to communicate somehow what the songs are, what the order is, how you're going to transition them, right? And prepare your media team for success. So one of the things I gave our media team 10 years ago, we still use it to this day, is this little clipboard. This is not complicated. This is not rocket science. It's a clipboard, right? It's got five songs. Lead vocal. Feel or genre, right? So that was coming from my producer work because I was always trying to tell people this is, this is gospel, so I need the B3, right? So now I just write, just write that out, right? Feel, uh, lead vocal, featured instrument. Now, how easy it, let me ask you guys, right. How many of you, I said, you guys are going to laugh. <laughs> you, you got your lead guitar player finally to nail that solo, right? I mean, Bon Jovi, the fans blow and the hair's blowing, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> but the fader's down. Come on, somebody, you know what I'm talking about, right? Like, and everybody's coming up, hey, I could, I'm sure it was really good, brother, but I couldn't hear you, but it was really good, I bet. I bet with you in your closet, I bet that was cool with you and Jesus, but we, could, we couldn't hear it. <laughs> that really agitates the guitar player. And, I, and the reason I know that is that happened to me, and then the Holy Spirit would like, obviously, I have to check my ego, like, it's not about you, and I'm like, oh, yeah, I feel convicted. But still, like, it's avoidable with a simple little chart, featured instrument. So now, every single Sunday, like when Ryan sees that, if I'm leading or Will's leading or whoever's leading or Lane, doesn't matter who's leading, just, he can just write featured instrument, right? Bass, because it's, it's this song, like Lion and the Lamb or whatever, or uh, guitar, right? Or keys, right? Maybe there's a key solo, right? I know. Somebody's like, yeah, come on, where's a key solo? Right? Triangle. Maybe don't do that. But you gotta give it like something's featured. Right? Okay, and then last way to support your pastor, speak positively and bless. So right, so something crosses your mind that agitated you that your pastor did, just don't say it. Like this is really simple, right? Because the Holy Spirit's gonna be like, You don't need to say that. I've been convicted, I'm preaching to myself right now. There's been times I said something and the Holy Spirit's like, You didn't even tell them that. I'm like, You're right. Right? So even if, even if they did something that you didn't really fully agree with, just leave the meeting fully supporting whatever decisions he made. Right? If David can have Saul trying to kill him, by the way, your pastor's not trying to kill you that I know of. <laughs> right? If David can have Saul, literally his spiritual authority, trying to kill him, and yet David could say, Father. You know both times he was almost killed, he, he, he called Saul Father. That's how much he showed respect. Hey, Pastor, hey, love you. I'm in your corner, buddy. I'm in your corner. If David can do it, you can do it. Amen? Alright, what time is it? 2.16? Okay. I definitely skipped, I didn't even look at my notes. Ah. Okay. What time does that have to be end? To end? 2.30? So I do need to do Q&A. But I just want to give you a couple verses. If you guys were taking notes. Alright. So on the B-Fill daily, and like, I'm just going to backtrack for just a minute because I don't want you to miss some scriptural context for this, is your role as a priest, Deuteronomy 10. I want you to look that up. Just drop down Deuteronomy 10. Numbers 149. Numbers 149-53. 
And I want you guys to just look at the ark, look at the Levites, look at the 24-7 worship, and just be asking yourself, how can we at our church foster a Levitical priesthood? Right? So we have something called David U. We do it monthly where we equip worship leaders. Uh, and I want to ask, ask you guys something about that at the end. Uh, if anybody would be interested in a summer thing. But I'll, I'll try to remember that in a minute. But um, that's you know, fostering the presence of God as, as a Levite. What does that mean? Well, I want you to look up what did the Levites do. Okay? And then the last thing that they did, I don't think I talk, talked about, is a blessing of the people. There was this blessing. Do you know that when you're singing, especially when you think about it, it's being amplified by a microphone in a system, you're declaring blessings, and there's power in that. There's a supernatural, I won't go into that whole thing, but there's, there's a literal supernatural thing on those wavelengths. Those sound waves that are hitting the walls and echoing. You know scientists say that when, when words are spoken and sung, that they just keep going. Do you know scripture says there's power in, uh, in your tongue? Life and death. And scientists say that when words go out, those wavelengths, they, you know they just keep going? It's not been one study. Multiple studies have shown that. Crazy, right? So when you're singing, you're pronouncing blessings, which is just incredible. And again, let the Spirit fill you. So the priests in the Old Testament, real quick, I'm going to just say this, then we'll do a little Q&A time. The priests in the Old Testament they would fill the uh, candelabras. I know we like to call them candles, but they were, they were this oil. And they would fill that oil every day. So every day, and this is, may sound like a stretch, but this is just, just bear with me. I think you should be filled with the Spirit so you can burn fresh with the Spirit. Every day. Right? Don't, don't wait till Sunday for... To, to burn, oh, there we go. I love to teach, so I have to set alarms. So every day you should be engaging. And I know, I get it. Some of you are like, Jordan, I got all kinds of kids. Like, I got five kids. It feels like 500, okay? So I get it. They get up early sometimes too. But listen, set aside time, whether that's early, even if you have to carve out half hour or an hour, just go in the sanctuary by yourself, okay? Carve out time for you to just burn for Jesus. Amen? All right, let's do just a couple minutes of Q and A. Any, anything, it can be, I can put on my pastor hat or my worship leader hat. I know because sometimes it's kind of like, well, as a pastor, you know, because maybe there's, maybe there's a strain in the relationship and you want to ask anything about that or anything about worship leading at all. And I probably won't know the answer and I'm going to ask Josh and he's going to help us out. And I'm going to revert to someone else. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just want to say that Three years ago, yeah. you did teach about having those meetings with your pastor. Yeah. I did not have meetings with my pastor. Mm. It was kind of like surprise on Sunday. Yeah. Don't really know what's going on. Yeah. Now we not only have meetings every single Wednesday during the day, Come on. but those have now blossomed into a planning meeting. So we are intentionally planning our Sunday services. Yeah. And we have seen amazing things. That's beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. That's awesome. And her team actually went through the seven theory. There's a number of you in the, in the district that have gone through, I still call it district, sorry, network, that have gone through the seven theory. And those, that, there's a little card in your book here. So your whole team, this is going to sound like a commercial, but I just love to make stuff. 
like I, I wanted to be an inventor when I was a kid. I love like Nikolai Tesla. And I, I love to make stuff. So this is my cheesy way of making stuff. This is the Seven Theory videos. So if you have a player, and I know you're all going to laugh because this is just, I, I've been to the worship leader conference and sing and all those, and we all have the same problems. All of us. All of Welcome. Okay? We all have the same problems as worship leaders. How many of you in here have a guitar player, and hopefully they're not, if they're in the room, don't raise your hand. Because I know some of you are like, I brought Phil with me. Some of you guys are like, he's right there. Right? Alright, so if Phil is in the room, don't point at him, but raise your hand if you've ever had your guitar player complicate you instead of compliment. Played at the wrong time, or like the solo, or the boost, or whatever. It's like, right, you're all nodding your heads. So, lesson 21, 22, and 23 is how to compliment, not complicate your worship leader. Like, that would be really helpful to you, right? And these are a dollar. These are a dollar a lesson. So go to thesevenththeory.com, and that will give you a bunch of those lessons. But what questions might you have about any, anything regarding worship music? I love this topic. Got to be something. It's okay if not. Mel, man, watch out. Can you guys reach your hands towards Mel? Can we just prophesy for a minute? I just feel something really cool in your life. Can you guys just reach your hands towards Mel? Father, thank you for Mel. Thank you, Lord, the things he's been praying about. Thank you. He's been very faithful, Lord, in, in the chair he's in. And I thank you for that. Thank you, thank you, Father, for the things you're burning on his heart. Uh, Mel, I just want you to know that what you've been praying about is doesn't make you... So you've wrestled, oh, is this selfish of me? And God would say, no, I'm talking to you about things I want you to do and become. And because you have such a pure heart, Mel, lately you have thought, ah, but I really want to just be faithful in this role. And God says, you have been faithful in this role. And those who are faithful with little will be put in charge of much. And I want to give you more, says the Lord. I want to give you more. And I'm not saying this, and I'm not saying, I'm not telling you in any way to leave your church. I'm not saying I would never prophesy that. So this could be five years from now. This could be how to support your pastor better. But I just, want you to, I just want you to hear the Lord encourage you that there's something you've been praying about and the Lord would say, I'm speaking to you. I'm talking to you. And today I'm confirming the things that you've been praying about on your bed at night. That's me. That's me, says the Lord. And I'm speaking to you. You've been faithful and you've been faithful and you've been faithful. And I, I am honoring your faithfulness and I'm giving you more authority and I'm giving you more influence in Jesus' name. Amen. Woo, brother. I'm excited for you. All right, guys. Uh, it's been a pleasure. Thanks. <laughs>